This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show as we are approaching the start of spring practice, but still a couple of weeks to go as uh, we lead off today's show with some recruiting talk uh, with Nate Klaus. And, you know, Nate, when Mike Riley was hired, or I'm not, not on signing day, <laughs> when Mike Riley was giving his signing day press conference, he talked about how there would be 20 working days from the end of signing day to the start of spring practice. And they, they were going to utilize these 20 working days as much as possible. And there's no doubt that's happened. I mean, uh, when you look at what Nebraska's done uh, recruiting, particularly this week, have you ever seen very many weeks like this in February? Not in this point in the process. I mean, it's been pretty impressive to see the flurry of offers that have gone out, that the amount of, of you know prospects that they're evaluating right now and, and trying to trying to offer, get out in front of and, and you know establish relationships with is really impressive. They I mean they've offered close to 150 uh, class of 2017 prospects right now, which is a number that we really don't see until you know April or May when the evaluation period comes around. And and really <clears throat> over the last week or so, they've offered close to 30 kids. And that's, I mean, that number right there is um, a, a far and away the the biggest number that I've ever seen at this point in the process. You know, when you look at this, how much is it, Nate, that they've been here now for a year, they kind of understand the lay of the land and, and how important it is maybe to get out in front? Well, I think that's everything because I mean, you could tell in the the signing day uh, press conference of Mike Riley that he was not um, that he he liked the class, but he wasn't happy with it, and that they were going to be tweaking some different things. And, and this is one of those tweaks. I I think they they really understand that in order to recruit at a high level at Nebraska, you have to get these kids on campus. And the only way to get kids on campus, um, you know, early is to offer them early, establish those relationships. Um, you know, and, and try to get the guys in for a spring game, try to get them in for big red weekends over the summer or fight and, and do whatever it takes to get one of those five official visits in the fall. So, uh, and that's what we're seeing. And, um, you know, I think all of these coaches and all the support staff, they, they're, they're doing everything they can to ensure that last season doesn't happen again and, and that they can recruit at a higher level than what we saw. Well, it's interesting, though. I think a fan will say, well, you made 150 offers. Say if 150 guys wanted to commit, how would you handle that? But I think a lot of these guys, they have to come on campus before they could commit unless it's a rare, rare top-of-the-board guy. And let's be honest with those guys, they're not going to do that. I mean, they're, they're trying to look at all their options before they make an, an announcement. Yeah, those top 100, top 250 type of players – you know they've they've got plenty of options. That very few of those guys, if any, are going to commit on the spot when Nebraska offers them. Um, you know they're going to be excited when they receive a Nebraska offer, and a lot of these guys have been, uh, but they're not going to commit on the spot. So, and this is something we see across you know across college football in general. There's you, you have to you have to throw your hat in the ring to have a chance with these guys, and um, you know you, you're gonna you're gonna if you evaluate a kid that you like and that you think can help your program, you're gonna throw that verbal offer out there in some ways this was an approach that Bill Callahan started in 04 um, with 
the mass offering. I mean, this wasn't a, a, the way it was done before in the Solage era, obviously in the Osborne era. We're talking different times. Uh, but that you know, you were involved with that when it kind of first started with Tim Cassidy. And it's been a blueprint that's been tinkered with, but it's kind of stayed pretty consistent here um, through three different head coaches. Yeah, under Bill Callahan, everything, you know, we were um, highly organized and, and there was a plan in place. And that plan was to, to try and get your, you know, get out in front of as many kids as possible, get in, you know, uh, with, by offering a kid as early as possible in the process. If, you know, if you knew that that kid could help your program out, why wait, uh, to offer him? So, um, yeah, the early offer, you know, in Nebraska recruiting history, I think really started under Bill Callahan. Tim Cassidy was, played a large role in helping to organize all of that as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, and that's been kind of the blueprint and we've really seen this staff kind of take it to the next level, to be honest with you because even under Callahan, we didn't see this many offers go out uh, in such a short time. You know, over the last month, we've well over 50 offers, probably close to 75 offers here in the last 20 to 30 days. The difference, though, then versus now was written offers could be given September 1st of your junior year. Now written offers can be given to you September 1st of your senior Senior. year. So when you made offers at this time, say back in the mid-2000s, they had to be written offers. Yeah, we were, we were sending written written offers out, and one thing we did at that point in time to kind of differentiate ourselves, you know, from a lot of other schools that were offering, is we would overnight those offers. That's like know, thirty five bucks a yeah, piece. FedEx overnight, you know, kind of make it a little special, kind of set it apart, you know, throw some handwritten letters in there, uh, because I mean. Let's. I don't care how old you are. When you get an overnight special delivery, I mean, it's kind of cool. Uh, you want to see what's inside, and uh, and I think you know a lot of kids uh, really like that. You know, unfortunately, the NCAA kind of cracked down on that. I think because of us, because of Nebraska at that point in time, because they said it was a an unfair advantage. Um, you know, that we had the budget to kind of pay to pay to to spend thirty five dollars on you know however many offers we're sending out. That's an expensive stamp. Yeah, that's an expensive <laughs> stamp. So. Uh, I think there were some schools that were complaining about it, but, um, but yeah, that's how, that's how we operated back, you know, in the early uh, mid two thousands. And, um, you know, some things have changed, but, uh, you know, a lot of it has remained the same. Hey, you can pay your 48 cents to send your offer out. We're going to pay $35, but (laughs) let's, let's look, uh, as we talk some big picture recruiting things, we're going to talk more in depth about the players, Nebraska offer, just some specific trends, um, to close the show. But, uh, let's stay on the kind of the, the broader brush side of recruiting. And uh, Nebraska laid out their camp schedule this week. Um, they have tinkered this, and not a surprise uh, to Nate and I, uh, they've added a Friday Night Lights camp. So there's three Friday Night Light camp events, June 10th, June 17th, June 24th. There will be just one lineman camp and one skill position camp, and, and that makes sense. I mean, we, we were at all those events. They didn't need to do probably two of each of those. Um, I think the focus needed to be on Friday Night Lights, and that's what they're doing. But then uh, before that, in earlier June, uh, they will do the satellite camps. And I, they've met on that topic. They've talked about it. Um, I know the NCAA could come down with a hatchet, but I get the impression, Nate, that they may still be able to go on for this year at least, uh, but we don't know that officially. 
it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. But, um, you know, until you get official word that, that they're going to be, you know, that the NCAA is not going to allow you to do it, I think you have to plan on, on having those. And that's what Nebraska is doing. They're, they're getting a plan in place, um, you know, coordinating with these host schools in, in different locations around the country to, to have the satellite camps. And, um, you know, I, I think that will be, you know, uh, another, you know, important step in the staff's, you know, recruitment and kind of continuing to spread the brand and everything. I, I like the the addition of the the Big Red Weekend or the Friday Night Lights camp, and that they're going to be, you know, kind of piggybacking the Big Red Weekends off of these Friday Night Lights camps. Uh, the one uh, lineman camp and the one skills camp, I, I think, are are good. You don't, because you have too many of those that get watered down. Um, so, uh, but the Friday Night Lights camps, I, I think, is something that are going to continue to be successful for Nebraska, uh, and I, they're looking to kind of grow that and, and turn it into a, a, a really big event. And I do. I, I don't know for fact, Nate, that the youth camp is overnight, but the youth camp is a, a two-day camp now, and they're doing three different sessions of. Of that um, for grades three to eight, um, and that's a good thing um, because those are the the future young Huskers. You know, those are the guys that you want to come as little boys, little kids to take part in the camp, and those are each two days. So I'd assume that would involve one night in the dorms. Uh, it doesn't specify that on Huskers.com on their uh, camp page, but um, I think that's a smart move to at least offer some sort of overnight camp for the young kids. I agree, and with those guys, it's all about the experience. You want these these kids to, to forever remember going to Nebraska camp and having that experience and being coached up and stay um, in the dorms, yeah, walk to the student union. And I mean, the, those memories are something that will, it will stick with a lot of these kids. And, and some of those kids will turn into prospects. And, um, and you know, that's something that we've seen kind of, you know, dwindling in, in state over the last few years is guys who, who bleed Nebraska red and, and uh, you know, would die to have a Nebraska offer and would commit almost, on the spot when they get that offer and yeah I think the staff is trying to trying to cultivate a um, you know that you know with some of these younger guys and, and create memories and uh, you know if they turn into prospects you know have those guys be the ones that are dying to play for Nebraska. All right we'll talk more recruiting with Nate but uh, we will first bring in Robin Washett he was in Indiana covering Nebraska basketball on Wednesday night we'll get his thoughts on that the Huskers dropped a, a tough one on the road without Siobhan Shields and we'll also talk with Dan Hoppen uh, to preview this weekend's opening series for Nebraska baseball but first we'll be joined by Robin Washett to talk some Husker hoops. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And back here on the Husker Online Show, Nebraska basketball suffered a tough loss here uh, to Indiana on the road, 80-64. The 22nd-ranked Hoosiers now improved 21-6. and six. Nebraska uh, 14-13. and 13. And we bring in Robin Washett, our, our lead basketball writer uh, from Husker Online here on the road. He's traveling back as we speak uh, from a night in Bloomington. First of all, Robin, um, I know that was, you've been to a lot of big arenas in basketball, particularly Kansas. Uh, this was your first time going out to Indiana. Uh, what were your thoughts on the venue and, and kind of seeing one of the cathedrals of college basketball in person? Yeah, you nailed it. You know, it's right up there. Uh, and as soon as you walk in to Assembly Hall, you, you understand why it has uh, the mystique that it does. I mean, it's a, such a unique setting that, you know, with the, today's era of, you know, modern arenas, with 
you know, big scoreboards, flashing lights, sound systems. Like, this is a throwback. You feel like you're kind of going into a time warp a little bit. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because around the baseline of the, of the arena, it, it's really not that much seating. But when you get to the side, they stretch up for days. And you, you would not believe that there's 17,000 people they can fit in that joint. Uh, it's, it's certainly... Uh, just a, a cool environment, and if anybody out there has the opportunity to go see a game at Assembly Hall, uh, I know myself and certainly Dan Hoffman would recommend taking that opportunity. Well, you look at the game itself, Robin, and Nebraska really was in this thing early. They they had a lead. They were hitting shots. Um, they had some new wrinkles that they were working in in the offense, and it was all working. Um, but uh, then Indiana made a little run there right before halftime, and I felt like that's when the game changed. What was your perspective there from Indiana? Yeah, I thought they came out with a perfect approach. Uh, you know, the first two possessions of the game, they got touches in the post to Jack McVay, and, you know, he turned to knock down a fadeaway jump shot on the first and got an assist on the second possession. So they came in with a really good idea. And, you know, guys were uh, as poised and locked in as we've seen them on the road this year. And so I, I thought that they came into the game uh, as well as you could have hoped. But, yeah, like you said, with about five minutes left in that game, uh, you know, some guys had to sit for foul trouble. and They, they had a lineup that they didn't necessarily like out there in Tim Miles switch to his own defense, which he doesn't necessarily like to do at all and really only does what he feels like he has to. And that kind of changed the whole complexion of the game because, you know, Indiana knocked down back-to-back three-pointers uh, from Nick Zeisloft and Colin Hartman, and that really kind of got the Hoosiers going. They ended the half uh, on a big run, and that carried over right into the second half. And when all was said and done, uh, you know, it was about a 33-8 to run between the end of the first half and the start of the second half, that was really the defining point in the game. But Nebraska just couldn't recover. I mean, they were able to cut it back down. They turned a 19-point deficit down to eight, but that was as close as they got. Uh, it just really came down to Nebraska didn't have the firepower, to, especially to come back from such a big deficit. So it was certainly uh, a game that I don't think you know, should have been as lopsided as it was, especially with how well Nebraska was playing early on. But I mean, when you go into Assembly Hall against the Indiana team, but when they get hot, it's hard to slow them down. And that's why, you know, Tim Miles said the Hoosiers are like it's like playing against the Indy 500 with how, how quickly they could get going. Nebraska once again drops to 14 and 13 with their loss to Indiana. And when you when you look at this game, Robin, I mean, it's been life without Siobhan Shields. And one of the guys yeah. that's really maybe emerged the most in the last week has been Jack McVeigh, 17 points. Uh, against the Hoosiers, he knocks down three of six on his three, six of eleven shots overall. Um, just an all-around solid game by Jack. And um, I guess if you were to pull out a bright spot of not having Shields, um, he's been one of the real, real uh, surprises. Yeah, he has to be because you know, obviously not only replaced Siobhan in that starting lineup, I mean they just don't have a lot of other guys they could turn to uh, to step up with offensive production. I mean. Uh, Andrew White was, uh, you know, he had an okay game and, you know, made some good shots, but they were making him priority. Indiana was making him priority number one with their defense. So other guys have to step up if Nebraska's going to have any chance without Siobhan Shields. And certainly with the way that uh, Jack McVay came out to start that game, uh, really set the tone right right out of the bat, like I said, with those first two possessions. And, uh, you know, he ended up with a career-high 17, which bettered his previous career-high of 16, 
also set against Indiana. Uh, so uh, for whatever reason, he, he brings his uh, A game when the Hoosiers are, are on the board. So, uh, but yeah, he, he's got to keep that up. And he's, he's, and it's another instance of these young guys, you know, slowly growing up kind of before our eyes, you know, that Michael Jacobson, that big game, obviously Glenn Watson, you know, big 10 player, the freshman of the week last week. And now Jack McVay putting up, you know, 17 points on the road at Indiana. I mean, these are, as disappointing as the results have been in terms of wins and losses uh, with this team this season, there's definitely plenty of reason for optimism. And a big reason for that is the growth of these young guys. Uh, every game, you know, there's, you start to see them kind of get it more and more. And uh, eventually, you know, that's all going to kind of click together, especially, if, you know, Nebraska gets Siobhan Shields back and you get, you know, these young guys playing that, you know, probably, the, you know, one of the, some of the best level that they've had played with. All year, I mean, that's, you, know, you got a pretty good formula for success right there. But, uh, you know, if anything, this has been a really good learning experience for a very young team that uh, certainly you can look back and build upon when you go into head to, you know, 2016 and beyond. Well, let's, let's stick on the topic of Siobhan Shields as uh, Nebraska will come home now this weekend on Saturday. Um, that's a Saturday at 5 p.m. game or 6 p.m. game, I believe, against Ohio State. Uh, it was one of those. Fle- 6 p.m., yeah. yeah. it was a flex game where they didn't set the date until a few weeks back. Um, but Siobhan Shields, I mean, if you were to guess, Robin, or be a betting man, do you expect him to play um, against Ohio State? I would say doubtful at this point. Uh, but, you know, I, I wouldn't rule it out by any means. The good news is that earlier this week, you know, he, he's been working out. Uh, that's a big step in you know, his recovery. And now the, the issue is not only working out, but playing basketball and being able to do it, you know, for three to four days in a row without suffering any setbacks, you know, with those concussion symptoms. But, uh, he's able to do that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're, you know, able to get him on the court, how much he's able to play once he is cleared. To, to get back to basketball, it, it kind of remains to be seen. I mean, it could be a situation where, you know, you only play him 10 to 15 minutes and just kind of get what you can out of him uh, without pushing him too far. But, uh, again, it, it's such a, a, a weird situation because there's really no right way to handle it. Uh, basically, you just got to kind of go day by day, and however Siobhan's feeling that particular day, I mean, you kind of gauge his progress uh, from the here and now. So it's... Uh, I would say Saturday might be, you know, a bit of a stretch uh, just because, I mean, the fact that he's still not even able to travel with the team, he didn't come to Indiana, uh, kind of shows that he's got a ways to go. But uh, I think that there is a good chance we will see him at some point before the end of the regular season. And obviously uh, you hope that the ultimate end goal is that, you know, final home game against Purdue uh, for senior night. I mean, it's the last thing you want is for him to have to, you know, spend senior night in street clothes watching from the bench. So uh, I, I feel good that that is a, a reasonable time frame for his return, and hopefully they can get him back sooner. But uh, it really, again, just kind of depends on the progress he makes each and every single day. Robin, you, you look at this final stretch for Nebraska. They have five games left. Uh, we mentioned Ohio State. They have two fairly winnable road games at Penn State, at Northwestern, and then Purdue and Lincoln. So you can argue that um, their, their games uh, – I said five games. They have four games left, excuse me. Um, they're, yeah. they're well, two, five with the Big Ten tournament. So five with, you got that. But with the two home games um, that are difficult and the two road games, I mean, what's realistic in your eyes? I mean, is two and two um, – would that be, in your definition, the best-case scenario? And you look at standings of the league, 
Nebraska is really not moving past the eight spot. I mean, they're kind of, I mean, no, the, the way that no. cut line is right now, um, the top teams, uh, are, I'm sorry, Nebraska is stuck at the nine spot. I mean, the top eight, nine, are, yeah. uh, the, the top eight are way out in front of the, the nine through 14 teams. Yeah. I think when you look at these last four games here, uh, like you said, I mean, for them to have any chance at making a postseason push, you have to win at least one of these next two home games. Uh, you know, Ohio State, they're kind of an up-and-down team that uh, obviously has a lot of talent, but you know, certainly haven't been able to put it all together uh, You know, like they have in previous years. So uh, I'm sure Nebraska will be an underdog in that game, but you know, I, I would you know, completely you know, call it a, a no-win situation. Uh, for the Huskers. But then, you know, that Purdue game, you know, it's funny, Dan uh, Hoffman and I were just talking in the car here. I don't necessarily think that's a, a guaranteed loss either, even with the way that the previous meeting uh, out West Lafayette went down. I mean, obviously, Purdue actually uh, dominated uh, Nebraska inside. You know, uh, Hammonds went off, uh, you know, one of the best games of his career. But Purdue also shot 60% from three-point range. And you look at their roster of shooters nobody on that team scares you that was kind of a, a kind of a fluke situation where you know not only was nebraska having to worry about stopping their produce three big guys but you know produce shooting the best it had all year from beyond the arc and so i don't know if that carries over on the road especially in pinnacle bank arena where purdue has struggled in the past and so you know if they're able to keep Purdue shooters in check and you can focus more of your attention to stopping those big guys with double teams down low, and, and all of a sudden, you know, that that's a pretty good recipe, especially if you're clicking on offense on the other end. So I think that Purdue game is, isn't the, a, a you know winless situation by any stretch of the imagination. And then, yeah, you have to go beat Penn State on the road, zero question about that, and then that Northwestern game becomes a must-win because, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those toss-up situations. Nebraska probably should have beat the Wildcats in Lincoln uh, earlier to start Big Ten play. Uh, so if you can get your two road games, win one of two of those final two home games, then you're sitting at 17 wins and have a, at least a chance uh, to make a potential NIT bid. Yeah, and we're, we're not talking NCAA. We're talking NIT. But, Robin, uh, NIT for sure. uh, safe travels back. Um, great coverage uh, out there in Indiana. And uh, looking forward to seeing you back here in Lincoln when you guys get back. Yeah, this uh, this road trip can come to an end at any point. I, I'm uh, you know, we went 10 hours out here, and now we're uh, midway through the 10-hour drive back. So uh, I'm ready to not be in a car for a while. <laughs> All right. When we come back here on the Husker Online Show, we'll talk to Dan Hoppin and get the latest as Nebraska baseball gets ready to open this weekend. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show as we move the discussion now over to Nebraska baseball. If you can believe this, the Huskers open this weekend at the College of Charleston. They'll play three games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 3 p.m. on Friday, 1.30 Saturday, and 10 a.m. on Getaway Day Sunday. And uh, for all the baseball analysis, we bring in our own Dan Hoppen, who covers the team from start to finish. And first of all, Dan, you're, you're driving back from Indiana as well with Rob, and uh, I hope the road's treating you well out there. Yeah, like Rob mentioned, it's quite a grind, uh, 10 hours both ways, but Assembly Hall was fantastic. That was worth it, and uh, I think we're going to be stopping in St. Louis for a little uh, classic barbecue today, so that's kind of what's keeping me going right now. Well, let's look at this weekend, Dan. When you look at this series, um, it's a three-game weekend series. We're going to 
get a glimpse somewhat of the weekend rotation in their, in their top arms and, and kind of what they can get out of some of these guys. But what is the, the big thing you're looking for here uh, this weekend? I really just want to see what this offense looks like and how Darren Ersad cracks it. I mean, I don't remember, you know, in my uh, four or five years covering the team, just going into a season with this little knowledge of what the lineup is going to look like. And Darren didn't really give us a whole lot of answers uh, in his media availability session on Wednesday. You know, I think we can be pretty sure of three things, that um, Jake Schlepperbach will start at second, Ryan Bolt will start at center, and uh, Ben Miller will be the DH. And then, you know, like Stephen Avell will play shortstop, Scott Travel will play first, but Darren's already said that those guys won't be playing back-to-back games early in the season due to injuries. So I think Nebraska is going to be doing a lot more mixing and matching this year. Guys are going to be playing different positions. You can see a lot of different lineups. And I just I don't know what that's going to look like necessarily right now. So I'm very interested to see kind of how Darren picks and chooses what guys play where, where they slot in the lineup. Now I'm trying to remember, Dan, was there somebody suspended from their pitching staff for this weekend? Yes, uh, Derek Burkamper, um, who is the only remaining member of uh, last year's weekend rotation. So Nebraska actually doesn't have a single player available on its roster this weekend that's, that's made a weekend start before. Uh, he was suspended for the first two weekends for a violation of team rules. So what little experience they had in the starting rotation just went out the window. You know, the guy, though, I, I, he was almost like the fourth starter last year was Garrett King. I mean, for a freshman, he had some really good mm-hmm. moments, 4-1 and one with a three five five ERA. What kind of jump do you think Garrett can make next this year? I think he can make a big jump. He, he was fantastic as a midweek starter last year. Um, you know, doesn't throw all that hard. He worked on adding a little bit of velocity. I think he said he gets up to about 88 miles per hour on his fastball now, which still isn't all that fast, but... He, the thing that's so unique about him, especially at his age, he's only a sophomore, is that he's got pretty good command of four pitches already. So he can really keep hitters off balance. You know, he's not just a guy who you go out there expecting one or two pitches. He can throw all kinds of different stuff at you. He's going to make that Saturday start, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him make a couple Friday starts this year, especially if he gets off to a, you know, a nice little run early in the season. You look at, uh, we're talking Nebraska baseball here with Dan Hoppin as the Huskers get ready uh, this week. And what about bullpen depth? I mean, that, that's always an issue in college baseball. Um, that's why starting pitching is such a premium. Um, do you think this team has the bullpen depth, or is that also one of your big questions right now? Well, it's another huge question, Chad, because um, you look at Nebraska's top three relievers last year. Uh, Jeff Chestnut is still around. I think he's you know, if he repeats what he did last year, that's all Nebraska needs to him. He was great. But Josh Rader, the closer, he graduated. Now Colton Howell, who was kind of their bridge guy in the eighth inning, he's moving into the starting rotation. So all of a sudden you've got a lot of question marks in that bullpen as well. Uh, I know Nebraska's going to be keeping Max Knutson, the lefty in the bullpen this year. I think that'll be a positive transition for him. Uh, Jake Myers is a guy. Um, the Omaha Westside product, who did a very good job out of the bullpen as a true freshman last year. But I think you're going to see a lot of guys at Nebraska, you know, maybe recruited as starters to come in, but they're just freshmen and sophomores right now, maybe not quite ready to enter that starting rotation. They're going to have to assume some major bullpen roles just because, 
know, somebody's going to have to do it. We're talking Nebraska baseball here with Dan Hoppin. Um, you know, Ryan Bolt too, Dan. It feels first of all, it feels like Bolt's been here for about ten years. <laughs> As you know, <laughs> and he, it's only been two. It's crazy. I know. And for, where where do you put him in the lineup? I mean, I've I've seen him go lead off three hole. I mean, where do, what do you think the best spot for him him in, in is in the lineup right now? He's had lead off a lot in his first few years, kind of more out of necessity. But uh, Darren Erstad has made it very clear that's a guy that Nebraska wants more in the middle of the order. I think ideally they want to hit him third or maybe fourth uh, just because, and I know he hasn't shown it a lot over these first couple of years, but he has a lot of power potential. Um, you know, I, I think just having that mindset from the leadoff spot, he was thinking more like, I got to get on base, I got to get on base. But if you put him in that three or four all and now maybe he's got a couple guys on in front of it you look dan at the expectations um for this team uh they were picked fifth um and and a lot of the polls here in the big 10 um when when you look at that i mean how has that team responded i mean darren earth said this strikes me as the chip on his shoulder type of coach uh do you think they've responded to that and have taken that personal as they get ready for this first weekend yeah i I think they will i mean publicly all the guys are going to say look you know we don't care where we are right now, but, you know, all that matters is at the end of the season. But I would not be surprised at all if that's something that Darren brings up, you know, especially heading into this opening weekend. Just, you know, pull out those coaches' stands and say, look, here's the top six picked by the coaches. You're not in it. They don't think you guys can do this. They don't think you're any good. You know, this is your chance to show that that's not correct. That starts right now. So, I think he's the type of guy that will use that type of motivation. Well, Dan Hoppin, safe travels uh, as you get back uh, from Indiana and uh, get ready to cover the baseball games this weekend. All right. Thanks a lot, Sean. Nebraska baseball uh, on the road, 3 p.m. Friday, 1.30 Saturday, and 10 a.m. on Sunday. We'll talk more football recruiting, particularly the in-state tour and where Nate Klaus and I were at this week. That's next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show as we shift off of baseball and basketball now and back to recruiting as I think most of our people that listen to the show regularly, that's what they like the best is uh, the recruiting insights and takes. And as we do every year at this time, Nate Klaus, Greg Peterson, myself, we make the rounds around the state of Nebraska. Uh, last week, we you know circled a lot of the Omaha and Lincoln area this week, um, you know, we, we got out to the Norfolk area, checked out some guys out to central Nebraska, to, to York, Aurora, Central City, um, you know, really got around and, and saw a number of guys, Nate. And uh, when you look at some of the kids we saw this week, let's start first in York. Um, there is an intriguing 2018 defensive lineman prospect, uh, Massery Maipu? Maypew. Maypew. Six foot five, six foot four. I mean, in that range, two sixty five. Uh, very raw um, family. You know, it was a Su- Sudanese family that moved here years ago, and he lives with a foster family now in McCool Junction, just by York. But this kid is uh, as intriguing as anybody we saw uh, in the twenty one schools we've hit so far. And no doubt about it. You know, you look at him as, just as a prospect, and he's got unlimited potential. He's only played football for a couple years, and that's something that that kind of shows on film. You know, he's he's definitely not a, a a polished product on film, but his potential is through the roof, and you just don't see too many kids his age 
um, you know, with his size and, and strength. And, um, and what I, what I like the most is he's, he's very determined kid. He's a hard worker. Uh, he's, you know, he lifts, um, you know, twice a day. Sometimes the coach, you know, when a coach says we have to kind of reel him back in and, and back him off of working out, I, I think that's usually a good sign. Um, you know, the coach talked about how hard he works in the classroom and everything. So he's, he has a lot going for him right now. And he's going to be a kid just based off of his measurables alone that garners a lot of attention down the road. You know, and, and through some of the contacts we know in the, in the coaching business that they'll say, well, the film doesn't do much. Well, yeah, that's obvious. How many sophomore linemen's film are the finished product very few but this guy has what i would call a toolbox on him Mm -hmm. that really no other kid his age would have in the state yeah he's got a lot of a lot of tools to work with and um and he's gonna get better and better and you could even see it on his highlight film you know the the highlight film that they have were you know highlights from game one highlights from game two so as the film progresses you could see him get better each and every game and and by the end of the season he was doing some nice things he has a motor uh he's always playing hard and and as he kind of learns more fundamentals um you know and and continues to get stronger and understand how to use that strength he's he's, he has the potential to be a pretty special player we're talking in-state tour sean callahan nate klaus on the husker online show and you look around the state nate and i think what's been difficult maybe for mike riley and his staff is there isn't a consensus number one there isn't that just slam dunk zach potter Josh Banderas, Niles Paul guy out there right now that you're like, yep, he's the guy. Let's offer him. Let's lock him up. And I think you've got a lot of players, though, that are fighting for that spot. And I think there's one guy that we met with in Aurora and Austin Allen, the tight end, six foot eight, 225 pounds, um, that could end up being the number one guy in the state. But right now, I mean, it's still to be determined. But I think Nebraska you know, has to give this guy a hard look, especially knowing now that they're going to take potentially three tight ends. Yeah, you're right. It's difficult to nail down, you know, who is the best player in the state or best prospect. You know, there are, like you said, there are no Baker Stein coolers in this class, but there are probably 10 legitimate guys that you could make a case for why Nebraska should offer these players. And Austin Allen is, is right towards the top of those lists, just uh, based off of his potential and size. You, know, you don't see too many 6'8", 225-pound kids who are at – as athletic as Austin Allen, um, you know, rolling around uh, the state. So, um, and, and he's a kid, I, th- I think he's done growing now. Uh, so he'll, you know, kind of have an opportunity for his body to, to kind of catch up and uh, start filling out a little bit more. So, um, but yeah, I think that with Nebraska's need at tight end, uh, he's he's a player that I th- would be shocked if they didn't offer, and, and probably if you know a player they didn't uh, offer here sooner than later. Let's stick here um, around the state in um, Central City. You know, that there's a kid there, uh, Jordan Pop, a defensive end. Uh, that's also very intriguing. South Dakota State has already come in uh, with an offer um, on him, and he's 6'3", 225, 230, kind of in that range. And, um, you know, I think what jumped out to me the most, Nate, was seen as his vertical, 34 and a half inches. Um, you know, that that's very explosive. And you, you can just tell um, that Jordan is just a, a no-nonsense, just hardworking, blue-collar guy. Kind of reminds you of a guy that from Nebraska that would go to North Dakota State mm-hmm. and then go up to NDSU and you know have a huge career there. Kind of like um, Emmanuel from Schuyler or um, the kid from Miller North. 
um, that that's doing really well there right now, and I think he's in that same mold. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. He's a very explosive kid, two way tweener, a tweener. Yeah, he's kind of a tweener. You know, you look at it, you look at his body and his his frame, and you say, okay, well, he's maybe a little undersized for defensive end right now, but um, you know, it would be a bigger linebacker. I don't know if he has uh, you know necessarily the the skill set to to play out in space um, as as a linebacker, but uh, there's no question he's an explosive athlete. And when they moved him uh, from linebacker to defensive end, that's where when he really flourished. And uh, you know, he had a number of sacks last year. What you know, ended up being an All-State player. Um, you know, he's a multi-sport athlete too. So uh, this is a kid that already holds a lot of uh, records in the weight room. Uh, he's a hard worker, like you said. So uh, and he's on the radar and you know, a lot of people's radar. You know, Iowa State is coming after him real hard. Iowa State, to be honest. Is, is I think they're trying to make a push in the state of Nebraska. They're right giving now. Dan Jackson a run for his money <laughs> as uh, the most aggressive team because uh, that recruits Nebraska from outside the state because obviously every kid we talk to, it's Iowa State, Iowa State, or mm-hmm. Dan Jackson from South Dakota State. I mean, those are the two constant teams in Wyoming. I mean, Scott Fuchs, A.J. Mm-hmm. Cooper, Craig Bowl, they do a great job in the state. Jimmy Burrow does a great job from Ohio on Soldier staffing. Those, to me, um, are the four consistent teams that come in here. Uh, I think South Dakota uh, with Brian Munson, uh, not to be confused with Husker Online's own Brian Munson, <laughs> is is done a great job coming in late. And I think they are going to compete more, uh, especially with South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just got Emmett Knight as a late signee um, from Gretna this week as, as another impressive kid uh, they brought in. Yeah, the, you're right. There's a lot of a lot of people who are trying to make make some hay in the state of Nebraska right now, and and the Huskers themselves, you know, uh, by appointing Kenny Wilhite as the new kind of um, you know Nebraska high school relations guy, kind of the liaison between uh, you know Memorial Stadium and and all the the in-state coaches and, and prospects. I think was a good move by Mike Riley, and and uh, we're already seeing them kind of reach out and and kind of you know kind of create some more relationships there, create some more dialogue between uh, coaches and kids. Uh, they're going to be having a lot of in-state guys up on uh, for their junior day on March 12th, so that's something to kind of keep an eye on. But, um, you know, a lot of, again, a lot of guys across the state who are on Nebraska's radar uh, and are receiving a lot of attention, you know, from all those other schools that you just mentioned. And then lastly, let's go to Norfolk. Uh, Norfolk High, um, you know, has – Another intriguing guy that's really not on the football map. He's more on the basketball map. Logan Strom, six foot eight, two hundred and forty pounds. Um, he, he's a tight end, <clears throat> offensive tackle <laughs> prospect. Um, as, as you look at his uh, body of work, but he's about as intriguing as anybody as far as upside. And he's not on the map at all. I know Wyoming's been in heavy contact with him, and they're very interested. They're going to have him at camp. Uh, but we watched this kid as a freshman, Nate, in the state basketball tournament against Omaha South just work south in the post that day. Mm-hmm. And I go, look at the feet on this guy. I mean, his footwork, his movement, his body usage, um, his potential as a tight end or offensive tackle is, is through the roof if he really wants to invest down that uh, road. Oh, absolutely. Again, you don't see too many kids who are 6'7", 6'8", 240 pounds, um, you know, just kind of, you know, in the state. And and this is a kid, you know, with a size 19 shoe, I, I think uh, is uh, maybe even a little bit more room to grow. Uh, definitely going to, you know, continue to fill out. He, at 240 pounds right now, could easily add another 40, 50 pounds to his frame and, and look skinny. Um, you know, it kind of reminds you a little bit of a, a Zach Potter in terms of just 
framework. Uh, but you know, very athletic, understands how to use his size uh, in in his body. Um, you know, has good hands, and I think a lot of that comes from basketball. Now he didn't play football as a sophomore because of a foot injury. So this past year was really his first year. Um, you know, on the football field, seeing varsity action, and uh, and he performed extremely well. Um, you know, what's most intriguing about him, I think, is is maybe you know he could be a good tight end at the next level, but I think he has the potential to be uh, an outstanding offensive tackle uh, prospect. And I think that's maybe where, you know, his his greatest potential lies is at that position. And I think Norfolk has become such a basketball-centric town at Norfolk High that it's kind of hard to buck that trend to consider really their bell cow on the basketball court as a Division One football player. Mm-hmm. But uh, he legitimately is. And uh, there's no doubt we were very impressed, not only physically, but as a person. He he kind of has that it factor quality when I vi- we visited with him. And I'm very excited to, to see uh, what he can do and hope we can get him down maybe to Kansas City to the Rivals camp. But uh, we'll close the show. Uh, we'll talk more recruiting, uh, kind of paint a clear picture of uh, the 30 or so offers that went out this week and what that all meant next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show as we continue recruiting talk, and that's really what this month has been for Nebraska. As uh, they had, as Mike Riley said uh, on signing day, they have 20 working days from the end of signing day to the beginning of spring football on March 5th. They want to utilize these days as much as possible. We teased that early in the show as Nebraska has now made well over 150 offers around the nation uh, before the start of spring football. And we've never seen really a week like this in February uh, where Nebraska's made this many offers. And to to kind of paint a clearer picture, uh, we bring Nate Klaus back into the show. Nate, when you look at the offers made, I mean, what is the biggest trend, whether it's a geographical area, a position group? I mean, what has jumped out to you the most about maybe this flurry of offers? Well, they've been active across the board, really. But I think the the main things that stick out are, are that Nebraska is addressing their, their main needs. And um, even though they don't have a defensive line coach right now, they've made a lot of offers across the defensive line, including an offer uh, to, to arguably the top uh, Juco defensive end in the country and Isaiah bugs out of out of Mississippi uh, so that was interesting uh, they've also offered a, a number of high school uh, defensive ends defensive tackles uh, and we've seen a lot of offensive tackles gain offers recently and, and those are probably the three biggest needs for Nebraska in the class of 2017 now geographically uh, they continued to hit California hard we've seen a lot of offers in Texas uh, which is something that Mike Riley kind of addressed at the signing day press conferences they didn't sign a player from Texas in 2016, uh, but that's definitely a state that they want to continue to be active in and uh, create more connections and, and continue to recruit. So um, we've seen them kind of get after quite a few kids out of Texas uh, there. Um, but uh, I mean, they've really offered players at every position across the board, and and we've even seen some 2018 offers. So they're trying to get out ahead on on that 2018 class. So. Um, I, I think it's you know, overall it's been uh, very organized and, and it's encouraging to see um, you know how hard they're attacking this and and that uh, you know they're they're maintaining a, a le- you know consistent um, approach to how they're going about things and that they're willing to kind of change and, and do whatever it takes to, to you know get better. 
Well, you look at the numbers, Nate, as as we talk recruiting here with Nate Klaus of what Nebraska has. I mean, they have 21 scholarship seniors today right now, and that's before attrition and spring ball and then before walk-ons that might get put on scholarship. You know, there's there's some guys like a Graham Nabity or a Brad Simpson, you know, senior players that could get put on here, um, you know, if there's money that's available. So you're talking potentially – uh, close to 25 scholarship openings. So this is a full boat. There's no doubt. And they're offering like it's going to be a full boat. Yeah, they're they're approaching this class like they're going to sign it, you know, a full 25 at least, um, you know, and, and we could even see that number increase a little bit. You know, we'll see kind of how things shake out. But, uh, yeah, they're they're approaching this as if they're going to have a, a full 25 to, to offer. And, um, you know, and, and they're not afraid to uh, to attack some of the more highly recruited kids across the country, kids that have 15, 20, 25 offers already. Um, you know, we're seeing them offer those those five and, and highly rated four-star prospects. And we're also seeing them be extremely comfortable in their evaluation, um, you know, and offering some kids who are under the radar. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys who are picking up their first or second offer, um, you know, in the process. And, um, you know, they're confident in their va- – their ability to evaluate um, and and kind of be, their ability to identify what a player you know and how a player would fit into their system. We're looking. At, I'm looking here at the numbers, Nate, and um, you know they lose three tight ends, and that's something you know they, they would only have three on the roster. So we, we assumed it would be two, but you know there's a pretty good chance they could take three tight ends this year. I think they'll take three tight ends. They're gonna. I think they're gonna have to take three t- tight ends because. Um, you know they're they're losing Sam Cotton, Seathan Carter, Trey Foster next year, and and they're going to have only like you said only have three guys on the um, you know returning next year, and and all three of those guys are really young, so um, they're going to have to to kind of replenish the the depth there um, and take take three. Uh, you know if they offer Austin Allen and are able to kind of wrap him up, you know down in Aurora. Um, you know, they try to, to land two more, um, you know, guys from across the country. Uh, a guy like Hunter Bryant out of out of Washington is, is a player that has expressed some interest. Um, he's a 6'3", 235-pound, 245-pound guy uh, that can do a number of different things. Uh, extremely athletic player uh, that, that has, you know, landed the offer this past week, has expressed some interest in Nebraska. Uh, but you know, Tavita Thompson, I think, has done a really a really good job of recruiting that position so far. Uh, you know, even though he's only a GA, can't can't go out on the road, but uh, he's proven himself to be a, a good recruiter as, as a graduate assistant. Yeah, the one position they don't lose anybody next year is corner. I mean, other than that, every position you know loses at least two to three guys, and that's quarterback included. Running back only loses one next year. Uh, but yeah, you're looking at three wide receivers, three tight ends. Three offensive linemen, but I think they would probably try to take four. Um, you know, when it's all said and done, two tackles, two guards, and, and I think they're going to take four wide receivers next year as well. Um, you know, th- I think that's kind of the target number right now. And of course, Keyshawn Johnson uh, Jr. is right at the top of that list. But um, you know, they've got a couple a couple of teammates from uh, Buena Park, California, that are that are also right up there. With uh, you know Jeremiah Hawkins and Tariq Johnson, and Jeremiah Hawkins was a kid that picked up an offer uh, following the satellite camp and out, out in Los Angeles last year. And Tariq Johnson is a more of a, your bigger-bodied wide receiver, six-two, six-three guy uh, that just landed an offer. Those two guys are, are very close friends. Uh, Jeremiah Hawkins is coming up for the spring game, and, and I think they're trying to uh, 
um, you know, arrange it so that uh, Tariq Johnson kind of comes along with him to get all those guys on campus at the same time. So we could see, potentially see a nice little haul there, um, you know, coming out of California on, at the wide receiver position. But um, yeah, I mean, across the board, they're they're losing a lot of guys, and um, and I think that's why we're seeing them attack this, uh, you know, so diligently so far. Yeah, the spring game, by the way, has been set for a 1 p.m. kickoff. I mean, not, not shocking. That's usually what it is every year, mm-hmm. but they had to wait until uh, the Big Ten Network um, set that time. But that that is going to be – I mean, we'll, we'll be talking about that for, for several weeks here, uh, but that could be a pretty special showing of talent. Absolutely. I think there's going to be a lot of guys on campus. You know, Jack Cohn is a Rivals 250 quarterback out of New York that's already confirmed that, that he'll be on campus for that. And, and that's interesting because, you know, with Dylan McCaffrey committing to Michigan this, this past week, um, you, you, it's basically Tristan Jebbia, uh, the, the Rivals 100 quarterback out of Calabasas, and Jack Cohn, the Rivals 250 quarterback out of New York, uh, th- that uh, Nebraska is really focused in on right now. And, um, you know, we know for sure they're taking one. Uh, they might be taking two, but uh, I, I think that uh, Jebbia and Cohn are, could potentially be jockeying it out to, to land, you know, that, that top spot that, to be that quarterback at Nebraska. So it's going to be interesting with Jebbia, who's going to be visiting on March 5th and uh, Cone will be here in, in April to see kind of who pulls the trigger first. Well, lots of recruiting talk here today. If you liked what you heard recruiting-wise, make sure you check us out, huskeronline.com. We are the market leader in covering Nebraska football recruiting. We have been so for 15 years. Make sure you check us out. We're part of the Rivals.com network. That wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.